Hello and welcome to yet another edition of Britonology. Uh, it's me, Milo Edwards. I'm joined as ever by my co-host, Nate Bethay. Hello, uh, recording remotely today because uh, much like Jair Bolsonaro, I've been stricken by heaven and I'm lying <laughs> on the couch feeling ill. I think I have the opposite problem of Jair Bolsonaro, uh, which is to say, uh, well, let's not get into that, but you can use your imagination of all the many ailments Jair Bolsonaro has. Imagine what the opposite of those might be and you can mm. guess. Yeah, Nate's looking good as hell. <laughs> Nate, I don't think that it's possible to have the opposite ailment of Jair Bolsonaro because Jair Bolsonaro has every ailment. They mm. are All of the ailments that are opposite from one another, he has. He has them. Mm. It is kind of weird to me because... Uh, Former paratrooper army captain turned weird hypochondriac hits a little bit too close to home. But <laughs> at the same time, I'm not the president of the largest country in South America. So I guess that's where the comparisons end. Oh, I'm sure there are some people online who do believe that about you, though. The question is, Nate, can you do a flexo? Yes, uh, I can actually do multiple flexos better than uh, than than Jair Bolsonaro can. Uh, there you go. Uh, that is one thing that is very funny to me is a lot of these like super hardcore tough guys, like even when they know they're going to be obligated to perform pushups in front of people, like they just go, they, they seem to do zero practice at all. And so like, they just look like they're humping the ground and it's, it's wild to me, man. Like dude was in the army. Like I'm sure they do correct flexos in the, por- the not the Portuguese army, the Brazilian army or the mm. Portuguese army too, either. You know, mm. it's just wild to me, man. I don't get it. I, I think what they should do, I, I think personally, uh, is what they should do is a much more impressive and technically demanding, um, lift something mm. like a, like a snatch. That's what I, 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 I when like, I don't know. What was it like Joe Biden challenged that guy to pushups and then, uh, who the old guy, the the old guy Grassley Chuck Grassley did some weird pushups with I think excuse me there's a guy Tom, called Chuck Grassley yeah he's a guy in the Senate who's sundown oh come on Milo we got to do yeah. some Americaology Chuck Grassley is an 87 year old senator from Nebraska or no Iowa yeah. I think and he he refuses More to like let Chuck his Cornley, am I right his uh, his his a- he refuses to let his aides run his Twitter for him, and he just types in like the most deranged old man lingo with yes. like bizarre abbreviations and telling like insane stories that go nowhere because yeah, he just great. runs his own Twitter. Yeah, it's wild. I, I oh, so it. It's like seen- almost Trump shit. No, so you know, it's different. Trump. It's Trump, different. Trump has lots of like had lots of like had. I hate to say had. Um, had lots of like sort of strange vendettas that he would like to go on. Uh, and had a very unique way of talking. Chuck Grassley, I don't think, knows the difference between Twitter and Microsoft Word. I don't think he knows where he is at any given point. Oh, um, so it's kind of like a hybrid of Trump and Biden. Yeah, it's well, an like, old like I'll, man. I'll give you I'll give you an example of a Chuck Grassley tweet. Now, bear in mind this is this is one of the more iconic ones, but it's from right. nine years ago. So October 26, 2012, Fred and I hit a deer on Highway 136 south of Dyersville. After I pulled fender rubbing on tire, we continued to farm. Assume deer dead. <laughs> like he does a lot of like complaining about the History Channel. Uh, yeah. It's great. I, I love it. Anyway, he tried to do push-ups to make a political point. A lot of people uh. in America have been... There's something happening in America where people are trying to do push-ups to make a political point. And I just think that they mm. should replace it with a more technically demanding lift like a snatch. Yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, the Army has changed the physical fitness test, and I don't really know the specifics because I don't have to care anymore, but it does actually involve some kind of a bar lift instead of the old mm-hmm. Army physical fitness test, which was push-ups, sit-ups, and a run. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It'd be funny if the guys were trying to make a political point by, like, doing Zumba. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. you do a perfect crow to make you, this political point. 
we we are uh, we're going to honor our veterans by doing a full Billy Blanks Tybo class. I actually right. think it would be better if they uh, if they challenge dudes to to defeat some strength by making them do Turkish get-ups or something like that. I hate Turkish get-ups. It requires so much coordination. You have to wear a fez. It's just a bizarre exercise. I mean, you know, it's a it's a tough exercise. You do it correctly and don't injure yourself. It's good. It's a Turkish like, get-up. You start lying on the floor and like you may be holding a kettlebell and you sort of go one motion to the other to sort of stand. It's a good hip strengthener uh, and it also is good for sort of core stability. Basically, you take a weight on a bar or a kettlebell. I've seen guys use a full squat like bar with plates. And basically, you either start it from on the ground or you start it from like, you know, holding it up in the air, but with your back on the ground and you get all the way up to a standing position, holding it with one arm. It's just a very strange motion to kind of like work through. And of course, lots of people get really, uh, what's the right word here? They get super... they get over enthusiastic about how much weight they can do with such a strange motion. Mm-hmm. And uh, needless to say, it leads to some Jair Bolsonaro-esque injuries. Yeah, it sounds like you could really hurt yourself doing that. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's CrossFit for you. It's the the, the great orthopedic injury machine. Yeah. I, love to, I love to tear a rotator cuff to prove I, a point. I, I definitely used to be into CrossFit when I was much younger. That is not surprising. <laughs> mm. Yeah, the crossing of the fit is the I, birthday boy's reward. I loved it. It was, it was great. I was sort of very proud of my relatively low Fran time. I thought it was great. Uh, but the Fran problem, time? Yeah, the workouts are all given. Are we doing this? Is Britain, this is now Americology. We've taken it over. Uh, uh, workouts are given um, women's names. Uh, unless they're really hard workouts, then they're given the names of people who died in the service of the country, specifically the U.S. Oh, wow. Those are called hero workouts. Oh, oh, man. Oh, I really, I hated CrossFit before, but now I like, I didn't know I had more hate in me for CrossFit, but yeah, I did. Yeah, cro- CrossFit is super, like, m- almost join the military guys. Like, it's a very, there's a huge contingent of that. And there's tons of true perspective stuff that goes into it. Like, I've seen hero workouts named after people I knew in real life who died. It's really weird. It, it genuinely weirds me out. And it's funny because I feel like CrossFit is actually not particularly good in the way it's done for people in the military for two reasons. And then we can move on. Number one, because it teaches you with the speed and the numbers of reps, it teaches people terrible form. Awful. With awful form. Mm-hmm. And for stuff that like where they do mm-hmm. are doing grading, like it doesn't matter if you can do 50 kipping pull-ups. If you can't do fucking 10 actual pull-ups, you kind of suck. Uh, and then also like just the propensity for injury of like mm-hmm. screaming and going mm-hmm. harder and like not stopping if you're hurt. Like the oh, last yeah. thing you need yeah. is, is <laughs> fucked up people on, 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 so this you know, shouting at you to do deadlifts faster. You're not in a good workout yeah, program. I remember yeah. being at Osan air base fucking on a temporary assignment when I was in Korea and I was just going to go to the gym. Part of the gym was occupied by like a, I mean, this is folks in the military, but doing like a CrossFit sort of authorized CrossFit class. And the guy was just like yelling at them. And I'm like, man, fuck this shit. Like, I just, I'm not going to pay money and give my free time away to have some dickhead yell at me like that. Like, it's just not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm still on the hero workouts thing. Really proud of my incredibly low dawner time. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually a really funny bit to do a dorner hero workout. Has to be, I you just have to murder everyone in the gym. I'm just wondering if someone's thought of doing that, like to troll, like, you know, a CrossFit gym in Maine or something like that. Mm. Get them to, to, to do a work, actually <laughs> Yo, do my, the class. I'm like dorner time, sub 30. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck's sake. <laughs> Oh, uh, fun. It's funny because like we're, we're, we're kind of on a, on like a dad chat America-ology vibe, but we're going to talk about something very not related to any of these things today. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, before that, one final thought. Um, uh, hero workouts, but for cops that died in service. There are those. 
Oh no! Yeah, they're absolutely. Yeah, yeah, it's anyone: yeah. firefighters, cops, uh, soldiers, a lot of soldiers. Border patrol, yeah, dogs. Yeah, border patrol. Look, if you Mil- have military th- working dogs, if you have a thin line flag, if you have a thin line flag honoring your profession, there will be a CrossFit hero wad named after you. It's don't a matter truck, of time until we get a tow truck, truck driver hero. I'm wad. just thinking about like somebody who you know, like they scalded themselves to death with a hot cup of Dunkin' Donuts coffee while working in the 911 dispatcher office, and they get a wad. <laughs> yeah, you have I mean, to lift that a Dispatchers do have a colored line for like the thin whatever line. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they're going to get a hero wad. What do they fucking die of? RSI? Uh, probably um, the hero wad. <laughs> they probably yeah, die exactly. of the wad. They do the hero wad for their friend, the hero who died from the Dunkin' Donuts scald, and then they died having cardiac arrest trying to do CrossFit. In the long term, it's all just hero wads. America ends with just a billion hero wads. It's weird, man. It got weirder over time. I remember when the only one was the one named after like the lone survivor seal. Like it was like Murph, Murph. or some shit. Yeah, Murph was a fucking and- killer. I mean, I'm sure Murph in real life was also a fucking killer, but that wad was a killer. Yeah, he definitely was. I saw some wild shit, too. Like, I saw this thing on fucking Instagram where they were doing, like, say their names, which were, like, specifically, like, riffing on the say her name sort of thing about, like, black women who have been killed, like, particularly by the police. But in general, like, the fact that black women, black women, like, victims don't get named in the press, like, like that kind of a thing. But they were doing it for, like, soldiers who died in combat. And I'm like... Everyone says their fucking names. Like, fuck. Like, the guy in the picture was a friend of mine. It was like, they, they did his whole home state, did the flags at half-mast for him when he died. Like, what the fuck is wrong with you? But it is wild to me that anything oriented around any kind of, like, it once once you've got, like, a Navy SEAL hero workout, then every single person decides they also need a hero workout. Mm-hmm. And anything that's around social justice invariably gets, like, fucking transmogrified into, like, tr- cop and troop stuff. The Navy it's Seal so Hero workout is um, you start off in a pool and there's a dinghy floating in the pool and you have to swim over there, climb onto the dinghy, and then stab four punching bags. <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. The, na- the, the, the Navy Seal wad is basically like they have a bunch of box jumps shaped like children, and you've got to make sure to fucking clear the entire room by box jumping, but knocking them over with your heels as well. That's <laughs> right. Um and uh, yeah, the more alert listeners may have noticed that uh, we have we have Riley with us. Hey, what's up? Yeah. I love coming on this podcast. Yeah, it's your friend Riley from that <laughs> hey. other podcast. Yeah, you might listen. You might listen. Uh, maybe you don't listen to it. Maybe you just listen to the Britonology. I'm the guy who signs up for the Britonology Patreon on Trash Future and doesn't listen to any other content. Yeah, that's right. There's got to be you're at a least good fan, one. and I like you. Thank you. Yeah, if you're that fan, do do write in. Yeah, um, postcard though. Only physically write in. Yeah, only work out the address by mm-hmm. trial and error. Work out, and then maybe the address will come to you. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, do the do the hero workout for podcasters. <laughs> yeah, do yeah. do the hero do the TF hero workout. That's right. Yeah, the thin purple line. Um, yeah, what got- would the TF hero workout be like? You have to like knock down three white monsters, vape an entire jewel pod, <laughs> uh-huh. eat, eat, eat an enormous plate of oysters, uh, yeah. buy a cup, buy a cup of coffee, but get charged for soup uh, badges. And, uh, I was going to say at the end of it, you have to, you have to, you have to, uh, in one final feat of strength, rip the exhaust system off a BMW convertible. <laughs> it's uh, it's oh, the one it is. It's, it's, still, it's still too painful. It's a workout that happens in a weight vest, but all the weight in the vest comes from medals that they gave to like people who just did normal jobs in the Soviet Union. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Nice. Yeah. That's good. Um, I'm, uh-huh. I'm very upset about my BMW exhaust. Yeah. Oh, what, wait, what kind of car? I'm a law and order guy. What, now. what sort of car is it that you have? Uh, it's a... BMW. Interesting. And you got that after going to what university? Um, I forgot. The Ruskin. Uh-huh. <laughs> Excellent. 
Um, so, uh, is, is, is what are we on? Masters of our domain? Is there a topic? What are we doing? Yeah, so, uh, yeah, that's right. We're on, <laughs> we're on masters of our way to die. Um, and, uh, yeah, what we, what we've got Riley here to talk about, we're kind of doing a Britonology where I'm not going to do the explaining, Riley's going to do the mm-hmm. explaining. Um, because we want to talk about the city of London because we're doing a special two-parter. We always do two Britonologies a month, but this one is actually a two-part. So this is going to be your, your $5 Britonology about the history of the city of London. Right. And it pairs like a fine wine, like a fine Niagara Pinot Noir uh-huh. with... Uh, are pretty our, good from there, you know. That's what I hear. Due to that unique escarpment. Um, it pairs very finely with the other episode we recorded with my actual brother, Matt, about what it was like uh, working as a city broker in the 90s, which I am confidently predicting will be the spicier of the two episodes. Nah, I'm going to try to make this... As- uh, look, if you have some opinions about... Um- <laughs> If you have some opinions about local government in the 19th century and time immemorial, then maybe this mm. will be spicy. Who can say? Yeah, that's all right. Well, oh, we'll get loads of guys in like monocle falling into their soup. Mm-hmm. Like, what did he just say? Well, that's the weird thing, actually, when you talk about re- city reform. That still is the reaction to even mild proposals that this ought to be looked at. Ah, I'd love to foreshadow. Uh-huh. Um, so it's, uh, it's, it's all, I mean, like, I'm unable to go onto a podcast without making notes, I guess. Um, uh, sure. Well, this is great because it means I have no time this week because, as we've previously mentioned, someone stole the exhaust off my car. So uh, you doing the notes for this has been very helpful for me. <laughs> so um, basically, right, uh, the city of London is... Uh, if I, I'll, I'll start with a quote. This is from 1957, um, mm-hmm. and it was a report on uh, reforming local government across Britain, uh, which was the following... Logic has its limits, and the position of the city lies outside them. Mm. Uh, and this is a theme that comes up kind of again and again when we talk about city reform. Mm. Uh, there have been several... Uh, the city is like a kind of Escher painting. It's this kind of like non-Euclidean financial space. Well, it's a square mile. It's not a square mile. It's a city that doesn't have any inhabitants, really. Mm. Um, and uh, it's, a, it's a corporation that doesn't have any customers. It does actually lie mm. outside of the realm of... It's, it is a strange little thing. Now, listeners uh, to the, the TF may or may not know our Britonology mm. as well. Can we talk about this on TF a bit? Yeah. Uh, may or may not know that the city of London uh, is, doesn't refer to metropolitan London, that thing that's roughly ringed by the M25. Yeah. Uh, the city of London refers to the square mile, the uh, medieval city of London mm. that's at the center, roughly, a little bit to the east of... Mm. Metropolitan London, the oldie city of London. Yeah, more so or less. We we are currently sat about two hundred meters from the border of it right now. Uh, yes, that's yeah. right. Uh, we are. Um, it's at one of the few entrances, I believe, not guarded by dragons. Yeah, that is yeah. right. Um, um, I think there are what seventeen dragons. The Jizya police got got rid of those. Uh, um, in Tower Hamlets. No, what there are a number. Are there actual dragons? Yeah, there are statues of dragons on plinths. Uh, that ring the uh, the sort of traditional borders of the city when it was no longer ah, defined by walls. I see. Um, um, well, because they have those yeah. little bollards everywhere, don't they? That have the city of London crest on them. Oh well, those that's a different thing entirely. Yeah, that's because there was that, that's a more okay. So there's so much to talk about about the city of London. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is, but this medieval city is now the sort of central business and financial district. Yeah, uh, or one of the several, and it's the most mm-hmm. venerable. Yeah. Um, what's unique about this one though is that it was also kind of Britain's and Western Europe's, arguably, 
uh, again, it's fortunes rising and falling and so on and so on mm -hmm. since basically the medieval era before the Norman conquest. It was also mm -hmm. the financial center then. It's where people came together to do any kind of complex trade that would be larger than a, you know, this village to that village. It was yeah. where it all happened. Home to your medieval crypto guys. <laughs> yes, exactly. 13 dragons, mm. as a matter of fact. I'm into tithe coin. Yeah, uh, that's right. Um, so there are, uh, so essentially, um, this is, it, why it matters now is that um, the city of London as is a local authority, number mm. one. Yeah. Um, it's also, so it's a local <laughs> authority that administers the things for the people who live in the city of London. So that's mainly people who live in the Barbican. Yeah. It's like four guys. There's a there's some there's some thousands a couple yeah. thousand. Mm -hmm. It's the most sparsely populated um, bit of of central London certainly, mm -hmm. and in fact London entirely. Mm -hmm. It's the most sparsely populated administrative area. So it is a local authority, and it's that local authority acts like a local authority. There are schools, there's public housing, there's the normal things you would expect. There's garbage collection. There's yeah, yeah, normal yeah, yeah. things you would expect a local authority to do. Mm. Um, but uh, there is also Another, and then there's the geographical entity, the square yep. mile, that's guarded mm -hmm. by the 13, no, sorry, not 17 dragons. Mm -hmm. um, and then... Yeah, don't fuck with those guys. Yeah, there is the corporation of the city of London, mm. which is a local authority that should not exist in modernity, but does because of a lot of coincidences and power struggles throughout the last 1,000 to 1,500 years. Right, okay. Um, the corporation of the city of London is an elected body um, and it's elected by a combination of the people who live in London. So they elect aldermen from its many wards. These wards being like Cheap, Walworth. Yeah, they all have like weird ass names. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and um, Cheap is a great place. It ain't cheap to live there. Let me tell you that, folks. I, I don't think anyone does live in Cheap. Cheap is one of the ones where no one actually lives in it. So like, there must be at least one guy who lives in every like. I don't know. Uh, there's got to be a, a few apartments in so each like of these. So like, tower has. So basically, the the, the wards are yeah. stuff like um, uh, they're called stuff like Vintry, Dowgate, Bridge with London Bridge. Yeah. Uh, Cheap, which has like Cheapside sort of off bank, Walbrook and Cornhill, which have I think one of them has yeah. bank in it. Well, because Cheap Cheap goes almost all the way up to Hoban, doesn't it? So that's no, no it no? doesn't. Cheap is tiny. These wards of the city of... Because the city of London is a square mile. Yeah. Uh, the wards are tiny. The wards are a few streets. Yeah, yeah. The street cheap might go all the way, almost all the way to Hol Holborn, but right, the ward right, cheap right, right. does not. Okay. Um, right. These, these wards will contain like maybe one main street and then mm. a few streets sort of shooting off of it. Okay. Um, and the thing is, right, all of this is important because... When you elect the government of the city of London, mm. it is not just the people who live in the wards who elect the aldermen who choose the government, who elect the Lord Mayor. It is businesses. Ah. Yes, uh, businesses. And this is decided by size, uh, by number of employees. But the businesses are supposed to vote for their own interests, not for their employees' interests. So the bigger a business is, the more votes it gets on the um, various assemblies, the, the, the various assemblies that make up the corporation of the city of London. So when TF gets its office in the Gherkin. We will get a vote, yes. Yes. And how, are the, how do they calculate the size of a business? Is it based on turnover or what? Like what Number is of employees that come and work in the city. Right, right, right. Okay. The city has its roots. We get to vote for our employees, but explicitly not in their interests. Is uh, not Alice. No, no, <laughs> no, no, not Alice. She doesn't come. No. So that's, she's yeah. out. I'm yeah, afraid. she's out. Uh, so 
we but and, and this is Although due to an arcane law, Alice actually gets a vote anyway because of how many medals she owns. <laughs> that is the kind of thing that actually would that's the kind of thing that actually happens. Yeah. Um so this is this and so this is the strange sort of and it is a very ancient democratic institution. Mm. It was um in a sense it is it was it was it remained a direct democracy um through from basically forever. It has okay. always been this way. It has never it has never in recorded history been another way. And when I say never in recorded history, that is a term that is very legally loaded. Right. Um because the city of London is um it was granted its official charter by Charles II, but that official charter uh refer- did not reference another charter. It just said um all of its rules and freedoms as we are familiar with through history. So, right, okay. So, in effect, right, um, the city of London, uh, was, most cities have charters, right? Yeah. Um, you know, the city of York was made a city by a government at some point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? The city of York was made a city, which means that there is a clear sort of institutional hierarchy between government and city, where the city of York is, has certain, it is able to do certain things and it is able to do those things as those powers are devolved from the political establishment, from the, from the mm. politic. Yeah. Right. The city of London, um, because it was, uh, it would, because basically the, the, the phrase is that William the Conqueror came friendly to the city of London. Mm. He didn't actually subdue it. He nutted on it. Yes. He, he, William the Conqueror nutted on he, the walls. He did a come tribute. Yeah, on he the tributed city of the city of London. Mm. Um, so William the Conqueror came friendly to the city of London mm. and then basically agreed that it would join his state, but it joined his state more or less by agreement. Yeah. Um, again, this is glossing a history that's much more complex. Um, yeah. It's not as though the city of London knew, like the city of London was not co-equal, but yeah. its authority derived from the fact that it has, quote, always been like this. Right. And so, for example, and then so what happens is um, no one... There, there is no the the city of London. The corporation of the city of London does not owe like mm. like for example, I don't know Hackney Council, Tower Hamlets Council, yeah, owes its ability to govern and carries out the tasks of an ordinary council because it has received that authority from the state. Yeah, the city of London has not received its authority from the state. Its authority predates the state and reached a settlement with the state, which is mm. incredibly significant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. Which is, I mean, the basic, the, the mythology of it, right, is that the, William the Conqueror was, like, having too much trouble with the walls of the city, and mm-hmm. so he decided that it would be easier just to, like, come to some sort of arrangement with them, which is why it has certain privileges which other local authorities and areas do not to this day. Again, that's, that, that's I, I think that the real answer is more just, like, he needed money, and the city of right. London could lend you money. Okay. And that's been the relationship between the city and the crown and for, mm-hmm. you know, hundreds of years subsequently. In fact... Mm-hmm. There is an official position in Parliament called the Remembrancer for the City of London, mm. who I believe was installed in the time of King Charles II um, to remind the king of his debts to the city, and who in, in modernity acts like an official financial industry lobbyist that is part of the British Parliament. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, we don't know why he's there, mm. and he's not democratically accountable to anyone but the businesses in the city. Mm. And uh, you can't get rid of him. Cool. He's there forever. I also like that he's called the Remembrancer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty cool. That, that is kind of good, actually. And so, in fact, this, the first time we speak of this city, I mean, with Charles II sort of, um, sort of writes its, um, 
rights it in its uh, privileges, meaning uh, through inspeximus, uh, which basically means uh, we have inspected in Latin and refers to confirming privileges that were already there. Uh, but the idea of the of that um, the city of London had privileges that were already there uh, goes back beyond the Magna Carta, beyond William the Conqueror. Again, the Magna Carta actually does is one of the it, it, this is I believe still in force, uh, mm-hmm. but recognizes but does not specify the nature or source or anything of the city of London's ancient liberties. It's this right. black box in the center of the country that just happens to have all the businesses in it. Inspeximus huh. sounds like a spell cast in a turf version of the Harry Potter universe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the Harry Potter universe. Yes. <laughs> um, so, look, and there has been changes mm-hmm. to the city over time, mostly mm-hmm. actually just making it more powerful. Um, the number of... There are nine... Last I looked, there were like mm-hmm. 9,000 or so residents of the city of London. Okay. Like I said, many of them living in Barbican or mm. in the estates near that are there are the estates near Spitalfields. Yeah. Um, uh, they have one vote each for mm. electing like the Lord Mayor and whatnot. Uh, and then businesses have 32,000 votes. That was increased from 32,000 votes from 23,000 votes by Tony Blair. Um, oh, our old friend. Our old our friend. dear friend. And so in addition to the Remembrancer, uh, which is mm. the world's oldest financial industry lobbyist. Yeah, uh, yeah. he's he's so old that guy. He's <laughs> just, just like pissing and shitting himself in Parliament. Yeah, um, yeah. Cro- croaking from the depths of hell. Yeah, to remind you that uh, we need to establish Britain as a globally competitive financial center. Ah, corporation tax. Uh, it's 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 that. It's also mm. just like um, don't regulate us. Yeah, uh, stay out of our business. <laughs> It's um, wild that you basically have the, the the franchises extended to companies. That's, uh, as I understand it, the Legislative Corporation of Hong Kong has representation from the the boards of corporations, mm. like in their legislature. Like you have like Senator Microsoft, basically. Mm-hmm. But like it's wild that <laughs> London has that. That it's, it's like the voter base is companies. Yeah, I mean, who yeah. do you think came up with the system of governments of Hong yeah, Kong? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> but it, but it's just wild because that's that's not something that I feel like. I've spent a lot of time trying to figure out the arcane bullshit that goes into the way the British government runs, and I had no idea about this. <laughs> um, so, basically, I think a lot of people don't know about it because a lot of people don't talk about it because it's this thing where it's like... It's impolite. As that's a rule around the table. You don't talk about religion, politics, or the city of London. <laughs> and, I mean, so we have this... If we think about this, right, we think about the, the self-government of London... Um, it sort of let's let's just all of this is sui generis as of the, as of uh, William the Conqueror. It gets mm-hmm. sort of officially recognized by the British state as like this kind of not co-equal, but this thing that's sort of external to its control vis-a-vis all the other local authorities or what would be parishes, what would become local authorities, whatever. As mm-hmm. a British state grows up, I mean, you can't say British state referring to like the 12th century. Yeah. But the main, the, the highest levels of government here, whatever they would have been at the time. Yeah. Um, as recognized basically as slightly to the side of the sovereign's authority, mm. um, and and if, and it effect it means right that London can do what it wants. Um, when it received uh, uh, um, refugees from uh, displacement from enclosure in the Midlands, mm-hmm. uh, the reason that Derry is often was called London Derry by British people is that uh, the city of London exported all of its refugees to Derry in Ireland. Ah. Yeah, so. Uh, uh, it was, and then basically tried to be like, tried to uh, colonize, um, basically, yeah, tried to let all the London guilds, which were like the main, 
which were sort of the main uh, organi- organizations in the city, right? There are, so there were guilds, like the Worshipful Company of Mercers was the oldest one. It was the first just like right. merchants. But mm-hmm. then you have Cordwainers, uh, Farriers, uh, mm-hmm. Haberdashers, and so on. We love to Cordwain. Yeah. Um, Big on that. But this, uh, this in fact, uh, became... Uh, this, the, they've continued to add to the Worshipful Companies. Uh, uh, there was a worshipful company of management consultants, for example. Oh man! Oh boy! That they're so worshipful. Those guys. Uh, we like to, we love we love to worship them. Yeah, they worship something. They're worshiping the big Excel spreadsheet. <laughs> mm. uh, and right, so the um, so there are these. <laughs> I'm waiting for there to be like a worshipful company of e girls or whatever. Yeah, that, I'm sure. Like, That'd be cool. If there are a lot of them who start working in the city, you know. Yeah. Why not? Once OnlyFans gets this, I just like the idea of being observed by alien anthropologists with the same sort of detached view that British anthropologists had in the 19th century. And they discovered that actually that is what all humans in the developed world worship is the Excel spreadsheet. There's like, well, they do spend a lot of time doing their devotions at it every day. It's like, Mm. yeah, fair enough. (laughs) That's right. Um, So that's the other sort of. When you talk, when you talk about sort of how the city governs itself on a day to day basis, traditionally at least, mm-hmm. uh, it has its um, it has its council, which is the alderman and the lord mayor. The lord mayor, as well, is an international diplomat who's not um, has no relationship with the British state, as you might think about it. Right. He, for example, will spend a lot of money going on delegation visits to Hong Kong or whatever right. to promote Britain's interests abroad. But again, these are uh. not the interests of people. This is not even remotely democratically accountable interests. These are the interests of the city of London, which is primarily, whose primary constituents are banks. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Banks are people too, guys. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Because um, the word corporation means body. <laughs> Who has bodies? People. Well, exactly. That's why, that's why it was called the corporation of the city of London, because it was an alternative body politic. Like yeah. it's but it wasn't just a corporation. We didn't call it a corporation like you know twenty years ago. It was called a corporation from like the the high medieval period. Mm. Um, right. So much better than the mid medieval period. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, smoking, <laughs> smoking on that shit stopped the peasants' revolt. <laughs> well, it was a Lord Mayor of London that killed Watt Tyler. As ah. a matter of fact, ah. so the the London has essentially always been like this. Amazing. Um. No, so in fact, it, one of the interesting things, right, is you wonder, you ask why in like Northern mm. Ireland, the Orange Order people are all wearing like bowler hats. Excuse me. I knew they were wearing orange. I didn't know about the bowler yeah, hats. It's, they wear bowler hats in orange and go on parades. Um, yeah. The reason they wear bowler hats is because the city of London paid for them to be there. Oh. They were yeah. like, now one condition is that you must wear a bowler hat. <laughs> the city of London basically founded the first order of men's rights activists and paid them to go yeah. march around in the street. The Orange Order have to wear braces, uh, loud ties and pink socks and pinstripe <laughs> suits under their orange gear whenever they go marching. <laughs> Carry an umbrella, that sort of thing. And so anyway, um, I, I digress. So if you, you have your, your council, your aldermen, mm-hmm. you have your guilds. As well, yeah. and all of these, and the guild, and this, all of these come together to run the city out of the guild hall. Mm-hmm. And you know, a lot of people talk about the city of London as a kind of tax haven in the middle of Britain, and they are sort of right. Right. Um, what it more does is, especially through its uh, ability to influence politics, of which it has considerable, through through, for example, its lobbying efforts mm-hmm. uh, and so on. It basically uh, creates the connect. Now, n- journalist Nicholas Jackson calls this uh, the multi-ring theory of tax avoidance. Where you right. have at the center of the of tax avoidance is the city, which coordinates lots of different activities, which involve keeping things offshore. Um, right. And so it, for example, 
uh, will use um, uh, the Crown Dependencies. That's like the Channel Islands. Yeah, it's uh, uh, fucking Bermuda, shit like that. No, no, no. no those wait, are the no. British Overseas Territories. Those are different. Ah, okay. Yeah. Channel I- Crown Dependencies are Channel Islands. They're the inner ring. Right. Uh, there are a trillion, there's, I think over a trillion pounds mm-hmm. sort of passes through those. Yeah. Um, the British Overseas Territories are slightly further removed. That's mm-hmm. Caymans and Bermuda and so on. Right, okay. And uh, the, the, what Caymans and Bermuda are uh, run by the British government. The British government could, now they're run by the British government at arm's length. Right. Um, the British government could essentially turn off their tax haven status. Right. Um, it doesn't. And yet. And yet it doesn't. And yet. And this is partly because. Weird how that happens. And this is partly mm. because of the influence that the city has. So, um, in addition to being an ordinary local authority, like I mentioned earlier, mm. because every single time the sort of some version of the national state or sovereign authority that is, exists in, in England or Britain or the United Kingdom or whatever um, comes and sort of works and works it with the city, it always remembers or it always remembered in history when we're talking about kings who needed to like raise taxes to because put down rebellions. Because of the rebellions. Uh, Barons, yeah, partly. Yeah. Um, uh, what side their bread is buttered on. And mm. so every time they are going to. Um, write a law they basically all that law will generally contain a paragraph saying this law does not apply to the city of london more right. or less okay. so for example uh here's such a, as the anti-dogging law yeah. um so <laughs> yeah, dog anywhere yeah <laughs> here's a challenge for you um if you wanted to know uh how the city of london a political body that is a mm-hmm. local authority spent its money on uh financial industry lobbying say this year how would you go about that uh, computer hacking? <laughs> no, no. If you were a journalist, um, Come on, what would you? What you, would you do? Do a freedom of information request? Sorry, doesn't apply. Ah, <laughs> huh. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's fun. Yeah. Even now, even right now in 2021, if you attempted to do a freedom of information request on the city of London outside the functions it performs as a local normal authority, that is not allowed. Ah, yeah. So you could do it on the kind of like city of London council that does bin collections and that sort of thing. Yeah, but yeah. You can't Pablo, do it. On... Tell me your. T- I want freedom of information request. I want to see your procurement process for. Um, I don't know. Uh, the, the, the bin men for yeah. high for outsourcing Finding the hardest. Yeah, bin for hard, men. Finest, uh, yeah. Tell me your procurement process for your hardest what? bin man game show. What tests do you subject them to? What <laughs> what lifts? Are they required to do? You could, Here so, I work out for a bin man. Yeah, so you could do that. <laughs> Lift a whole dumpster over your head. You could, That's so, the thing. If a, if a bin man falls in the line of duty, I would absolutely support a hero workout for them. But not, yeah. not but, but, but sadly, if I got smoked in Afghanistan, I would be very, very sad if uh, people were doing a stupid workout named after me. That would annoy me. Mm. What would probably annoy me more is uh, learning that because of this, the British government definitely, definitely does not take advantage of any of these lack of reporting requirements when it comes to how they lobby the banking industry. Yeah. And Nate, that's one thing I've learned from your stories is that people are getting smoked in Afghanistan every day. So like uh, on that the, fucking lounge. The city essentially <laughs> has a number of different um a number of different organs as well. Okay. It has the City of London Police as distinct from the Metropolitan Police. Yes, which is, I think this is one of the things where if you live in London, it is one of the most noticeable things about the City of London. If you go into the boundaries of the city, you have the little fucking, uh, the bollards that have the logo on them. And also, you have the weird City of London cops who are not like Metropolitan London cops. They have like a different uniform, which looks extremely 90s. Um, mm-hmm. And they have like, their vehicles look very different and they have a big stupid crest on them. Um, but mm-hmm. also it's too small to really have its own. So they always like, they're always kind of coordinating with the Met anyway, but like, uh-huh. yeah. 
Yep. Oh yeah, and they have the little when you go in, they have these little like vehicle chicanes with like a little booth where like a city of London policeman could sit and like do a customs check. Yeah, I mean like what? <laughs> uh, it never is one. But well, it's because that in fact this was related to the uh, bollards is that the city of London decided to very um, subtly fortify itself physically. Right. So there are actually very few routes into the city of London. And those routes that there are, the big ones anyway, those are uh, tend to be guarded by police in cars. Ah. Um, and what is the purpose of that? Oh, it's because it was it's anti-terrorism. This is a recent thing. Oh, okay. Yeah. So they huh. so they were worried about someone you know driving in a a, a car bomb basically, and so they have made someone it. wants to blow up all the money. <laughs> That's where we keep the money. Yeah, shit. Uh, that is in fact where they keep all the money. But yeah, so the the, the ta- how the tax haven thing works, right? Mm-hmm. Is that all of the activity is coordinated by and lobbied for the city of London, and the idea is um, that you move the assets of your clients around offshore and keep them offshore. So money moves from the Caymans in Bermuda, it comes to maybe the Channel Islands to get invested in something or to be spent, but it never mm-hmm. comes back to Britain, and it's from the city where all that activity is coordinated. I see. And okay. the city has hundreds of millions of pounds available to spend each year uh, from income on the assets that it owns. Again, you can't know what those are, by the way. Yeah. Uh, sorry. Yeah. Well, we sort of do know what some of them are, right? Because yeah. it owns like Epping Forest, Hampstead for example. Heath, I believe as well. Yeah. Um, but um, it owns, it's a landlord of great sort of swaths of um, central London, not mm. itself. No. Um, individuals within the city mostly own itself. Mm. Um, but the city as a corporation has huge investments all over the place. Yeah. Um, it owns schools. It owns. It's a commercial landlord. It also just like has had an enormous amount of money since forever. Yeah, and all of that money has always remained outside the British tax system because the system because it's like because there's no way to even access it. You can't be like they, they'd have to create a new law to tax the city of London from its city cash, and we can't do that. No. Oh, the Remembrancer would tell you not to. No, exactly. Uh, and that's where he's still there. Or he's rather, still- he would remind you not yeah. to do it. And yeah. you'd be like, oh, oh yeah, I was going to not do that. Thanks for reminding me. <laughs> and that's the thing, right? This is a local authority that is also an international financial regulator that's elected by businesses that is untouchable in a way that no other local authority is, right? Mm. Uh, and we're I like central- this. It's like local authority, Baz. And, yeah, and central right. government has no mechanism to go and touch that local authority at all, to do anything with it. Mm. So... um Effectively, you have this little bit of Britain where, like, you have like reverse, you have reverse austerity, you have lavishness, mm. um, and um, you, you and you can't you you can't know about it, you can't touch it, you can't tax it, nothing. It and yeah. it's, it it is used in fact as financial industry lobbying money, and in uh, two separate occasions from 1853, three separate occasions rather, uh-huh. there have been attempts to essentially co- integrate and coordinate the city of London into Greater London and abolish the city of London Corporation. And it, I presume they were very successful. Oh yeah, it worked super well. Yeah, it's been it's been something that has always needed. We always sort of needed to sort of um you know know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Herbert Morrison, who is um he was a relative. Of uh, the Butter Stairs guy, Mandelson. Uh, the Butter Stairs guy. I love that he is now known on this podcast as the Butter Stairs guy. Yeah. Um, very, very buttery staircase. <laughs> well, hang on, wasn't it actually technically Mandelson's not the Buttery Stairs guy? It was the guy whose apartment he was living in. Yeah, well, the, these the, things change. The, like the Egyptian guy, was it, who died oh, by Ellie falling Khalil. down the stairs? Y- yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and it was Mandelson was saying that that guy had a very buttery yes. staircase. Anyway. 
Um, Sorry, just a bit of TF yeah. law there. If you're trying uh, so, to keep up at home. So Herbert Morrison, who was uh, once it, like the uh, the sec- one of the first uh, secretaries of the London Labour Party, mm. um, said in the 19, 1917, uh, "Is it not time London faced up to the pretentious buffoonery of the City of London Corporation and wipe it off the municipal map?" The city is now a square mile of entrenched reaction, the home of devilry of modern finance and that journalistic abortion, the stunt press. The city is an administrative anachronism. The stunt press here meaning like um, sort of early Fleet Street tabloids and stuff and how things have changed. Yeah, they've changed so much. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that's so, actually weird, isn't it? That all the papers used to be in the city. Yeah, they always used to be in Fleet Street. Yeah. Yeah. Which is like right by the Royal Cause of Justice. Ironically, yeah. Uh, so yeah. when we t- when when um when Morrison's talking about ceremonies, uh, he's talking about just uh he's basically talking about the fact that this is a an old boys an o- the oldest boys network of all. Yeah. Um, the fellas. Yeah, this is the fellas, yeah. where they uh essentially have again since the medieval period been dressing up in funny costumes and sort of doffing their caps to one another. Um. Oh, it's an eyes wide shot party. Uh, no, it's just there. It's it's all guys. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's, it's all the fellas. <laughs> yeah, it's a cool eyes watch up party. <laughs> uh, there are so there are some myths that, for example, like the queen cannot actually even drive through the city of London. Mm. Um, she can't enter it officially without like um, interacting with the Lord Mayor, right? Like she mm. has sort of, you sort of, she has to come in, and the Lord Mayor sort of preemptively gives her permission to enter the city. Again, right. The idea that like if the if the queen if the queen's car takes a wrong turn and like has to like. I don't know, go down like um, Upper Thames Street or whatever. That That's yeah. fine. Yeah. You know, like, that's fine. Who would even know? Um, City of London Police. Yeah. <laughs> keep yeah. the Queen out. Uh, excuse me, madam. Uh, are you the Queen? <laughs> uh, now, the lady, the gentleman, you, the special branch officer, you were uh, con- conveyancing uh, this lady who is in, in relation to the Crown in the sense that you, you yourself, madam, are the Queen. <laughs> Uh, now, this, of course, is the city of London, so you have actually uh, crossed, in relation to yourself, uh, the border of, of the city of which of which you are not permitted as, as a monarch. <laughs> yeah, more or less. <laughs> Queen gets like an £80 fine. <laughs> That'd be great. I'd love that. Yeah. It'd be very fun. Just, just, just for taking a wrong turn because of some like medieval uh, settlement between her and like yeah. some, some merchants. This is the kind of shit that happened to me. Got an eighty-pound fine for driving a van through a tunnel the other week when they'd closed all of the bridges. I became the fucking Joker. You can't drive a van through a tunnel. You can't drive a well, van over two tons through the Rotherhithe Tunnel. Uh, it doesn't say that. It just says this height and this width, which the van got because there's like a physical thing that you have to fit through, like the mm-hmm. bag thing at an airport, yeah. and the van fit through it. Um, and I don't know what weight the weight the van is. It was fucking rented. It's about one of the smallest vans you can get. So the the um uh, on London. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I'm just so mad about the van thing. <laughs> the Lord Mayor basically is this guy who has a, a his main thing again is being an international financial diplomat yeah. and also just providing an excuse for like some of the lamest people in the business world to like awesome. put on red velvet coats. Mm. Um, he has an elaborate stagecoach, um, and uh, he uh, essentially is. I like that he's very fancy, but for yeah. like he would be like the envy of any man in the 18th century. <laughs> yeah. He's got an absurdly wanton stagecoach. <laughs> he lives in the mansion house. Mm. Uh and of course uh the, Yeah, the house house. Yeah. And um uh you are uh, uh um is it so the Lord Mayor of the City of London, right? Mm. Uh different from the Mayor of London, of course. Yeah. Um still has a lot of uh power. 
Um, yeah, the Lord Mayor of London. I've seen. I, I have seen pictures of various Lord Mayors of London. Mm-hmm. Looks like if like a sort of like old timey admiral fucked a parrot. Mm-hmm. That's yep. kind of his vibe. Um, if you just want to picture that in your head. Yeah. Uh. So the um. The Lord Mayor of London, basically their role now mm. is to represent, support, and promote all aspects of the UK financial service industries. Okay. Um, and so they are, and, and they, but also uh, they uh, put on the Lord Mayor's show. Awesome. Is that where they post whole? It's a, I wish. Uh, that's a. <laughs> um, the Lord Mayor's OnlyFans. Yeah. Uh, no, that's where they, um, uh, they uh, 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 do a little parade, basically. Huh. Uh, the livery, all the livery companies and guilds and the Lord Mayor and, and um, Doggett's Coat and Badgeman uh, and the Honorable Artillery Company mm-hmm. and, um, and, and, and various other people. Uh, uh, do like a little parade through the city of London, like to remind every. And the thing is, weirdly, anytime there's an attempt to reform the city of London, the Lord Mayor's parade is always more lavish. Ah. It kind of seems like like a combination of Swiss guards and the Swiss financial system. <laughs> like, you know, basically, it's like, oh, we have these guys wearing fifteenth century helmets and doing funny salutes with white gloves. By the way, we have Nazi gold. Yeah. Like, it, it's yeah. the same sort of duality, if you will. <laughs> I love the idea of that being an own. Oh, if you try and reform us, we're going to get even more lavish. <laughs> like, you're not gonna. I'm going to balance some beluga caviar on the end of my dick if you try and pass any. You guys reform. try to change the laws. There is going to be kink at Pride this year, you <laughs> motherfuckers. City of London Pride, yeah, exactly. financial Pride. Um. So uh, the uh, the uh, uh, you're of you're, you're become the Lord Mayor uh, mm. of the City of London, which I'm going to. Yes. You are sworn in in a ceremony called the Silent Ceremony. <laughs> oh, well, that Nothing sounds good. ominous about that. Join me in the silencing. And now, uh, the Lord Mayor makes their declaration of office, um, mm-hmm. and everyone's there in full ceremonial dress, including the sheriffs, aldermen, town clerk, the chamberlain, sword bearer, the common crier, and the sergeant at arms. Awesome, the chamberlain. Again, this is for the financial industry. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Um. And uh, these guys are all like former management consultants uh, who I'm just yeah. laughing at the idea of there being like a like a passing the guide on changing of the guard thing for Goldman Sachs. Yeah, effectively, like, it's just, kind of. Yeah, yeah, it's just weird, isn't it? Like it, it, it seems as though this is all of the, the sort of ceremonial affectation of something between a city state and a military regiment. But it's for this really arcane governing body that basically has enough influence to not be folded into the larger state. Yeah. Mm. Correct. Um, and so basically what happens is the Lord Mayor, the outgoing Lord Mayor, um, asks the sword bearer to hand over the keys to a safe in which the official city of London seal for like sealing documents is kept. Yeah. The sword I can't bearer they kept it alive that long. <laughs> the sword bearer then takes off his cap Okay. And what then, is he wearing? Like a ball cap? Like <laughs> fucking palace? Probably a lot of co- a pa- cap with some corners on it. Yeah. Then reaches inside the hat to take out a key. Yes. <laughs> yes. He then hands the key to the like the Lord Mayor because Lord Mayors are it's like the uh, it's like the Oxford Union right where everyone wants to get a turn as the president and yeah. so Lord Mayors are elected only for a year. Right. Um, right. 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 Uh, it's a good year, though. Yeah, <laughs> it's a hell of a good year. You live in that fucking house. You get all well, the you stuff. You have a small apartment in that. I mean, you a eat small loads of free dinners. Yeah. Um. No, you're not paid anything though. It's actually kind of expensive to be Lord Mayor of London. It's very oh, much shit. a victory lap uh, position. Fuck. 
Uh, but oh, good. But I could still podcast. Yeah, exactly. I'd just get a free apartment. That'd be cool. In Mansion House, you could go to all mm. of the hotspots of um the All Bar One, I imagine. Yeah. Various Pretz. Yeah, various Pretz. Um, where I might a manger. Uh, the Pelt Trader Pub, which actually isn't bad. Yeah, Pret actually uh, also predates the British state. <laughs> William the Conqueror came to an arrangement with Pret because it was a French business. <laughs> so anyway, so the sword bearer takes the key from his hat and yeah. gives it to the outgoing Lord Mayor, who then passes it to the incoming Lord Mayor. The incoming Lord Mayor returns the key to the sword bearer, and the sword bearer replies the ceremonial phrase, My Lord Mayor, I shall keep it under my hat. <laughs> uh, this is genuinely this very similar to the way that you do a, a change of command ceremony in the u.s army it's very weird to me that that's that's like old timey regimental system sort of stuff but in a city government i mean i'm mm. sure there's weirder shit like that in america like in the way that you know some cities their sanitation department wear what effectively look like military uniforms for like their formal mm. uniforms or something yeah, i'm sure there's shit. weird stuff yeah out there in america but it is <laughs> very, very <laughs> yeah exactly but it is very very funny that they have this and they're like i, I shall keep it in my hat that's uh that's good you know that, mm. that, that gives me a lot of confidence that only the brightest and most keenly aware people are being put into these positions because it is a position demanding such seriousness i like the idea of a bunch of american garbage men having Having to do like drill in dress uniform, like with little white gloves on, and there's like a, a British bin man sergeant major on loan to them who's going like, <laughs> uh, brooms up, <laughs> the bins down, <laughs> the skin retract. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so like a lot of this, if you like, it's kind of informal how mm. the power it has. Yeah. It's informal. There's two parts of its informal power. Mm. There's the or three parts, I think. It's more of a family. <laughs> There's three parts of the of the informal mm. power that the city has. Number one is the legal power it has that dates that that goes back to the fact that it was kind of always recognized as outside the British state and it was a or sovereign authority and was always mm. able every time it dealt with sovereign authority, it was able to successfully push it back. Yeah. So, for example, the first Lord Mayor of the City of London was originally the Portreeve of the City of London. Because mm-hmm. um, like, the office of Lord Mayor isn't, doesn't go back beyond uh, William the Conqueror. The first Lord Mayor of the City of London was a man named Henry Fitz Aylwin. Um, and uh, basically, like in exchange for uh, London uh, businessmen lending mm-hmm. um, uh, um, uh, the crown money in the time of sort of King John Richard I, the Robin Hood time. Yeah. Um, the office of the uh, the Portreeve, which is like a, the Portreeve being a port warden or an officer of the crown, mm-hmm. um, was turned into a Lord Mayor, right? right? Like so, these some of these offices are 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 not are created through agreements between the city and the state, but they're not right. they don't flow from the authority of the state, right? Mm-hmm. So right, Riley. Let me get you to speculate a little bit here without naming names. I get, I get the impression that the way this arrangement works in the modern day absolutely facilitates a lot of what you might call Panama Papers shit. Yes, yes. And, 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 okay, and, and because, yeah, I'm just laughing that it's all drawing upon an authority that was established in Robin Hood times, but that still applies. <laughs> because, I mean, yes, there were the same sort of issues of people not wanting to, like, fork over to the state. And as Dr. Yanaga said, obviously, medieval taxes were, in fact, bad. They were, like, unfair taxes levied on people so they could go, like, slaughter the heathen moor or whatever the hell they wanted to do. Mm. But it's also at the same time, though, like, you didn't have the issue. It wasn't like you had, you know, medieval 
evil guild merchant being like, I shall use the powers of London to hide my ducats with Preston John. Like, it's, <laughs> they didn't have offshore finance, you know what I mean? Like, they didn't exist. And the fact that that now does Paying exist. And it, to put these coins under their hassocks. <laughs> <laughs> the idea that, uh, that you can basically, that... The one, the, the, this one weird trick stopping financial mm. disclosure from happening is is effectively like you know some Sherwood Forest you know band of merry men style shit. Yeah. Like it's just it's very wild to me. So it's the if you think about it, right? It's and this is why I talk about how it has informal power. Like if you're a business based in the city of London, like it's not like you're not in Britain. Like you still are based yeah. in Britain. Mm. It's that you are in a a bit of political authority. That shields you from, or that that's whole job is to make sure that the state doesn't fuck with what you're doing, right? Yeah. You're 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 in your if your if your business is, for example, the moving around of offshore funds so that it can be invested and grow without paying taxes. Mm-hmm. The remembrancer of the city of London is there to make sure that um, you can coordinate those activities from Bishopsgate, right? Right, and that those those still remain. Uh, important. So right we have the uh, the um we have the informal authority of uh of the fact that this is a separate and other place mm. whose uh rights and privileges come from a settlement agreement compromise memory. We also have a second kind of informal power which is quite simply the fact that um they are they have a lot of influence uh structural influence in British policymaking. Mm. Uh, and in global influence as well, like they're they are Britain's financial diplomats, yeah. right? Uh, and then thirdly, you also just have the fact that even non like the city, the the Bank of England is is a national. It was nationalized. It was nationalized in 1946 by the Attlee government. It was built several centuries earlier to fund the creation of the British Navy. And so the Bank of mm. England has always had a whiff of the state about it, at least. Yeah. Um, but its official mission, which it only got in 1991 outside the normal central banking stuff is to enhance the international comp- competitive position of the city which is which shows to me i think that there is this sense that there is this sense of authority and, and enmeshedness the bank of england which is like effectively an arm of the treasury but its stated mission is to, well it's to enhance the international competitive competitive position of the city meaning the city of london's the britain's financial industry as represented by the city of london it much yeah. like the thing is Right, I think a determined enough government could actually undo the powers of the city of London. Any liberal or labor government that has wanted to has either been stymied by an incoming conservative government, which basically just you know turns off the whole the whole uh, business. Mm. That's what happened in 1853. It's what happened in 1894, I believe. Mm. And then Blair uh, just decided to go with it and swim the other way uh, and make it more mm. powerful. Um, right, it's the. It, I just really like the key under the hat thing. <laughs> yeah, he he was, was watching that and he was like, do it again. Cool. But that's the third arm of informal power is this form of spectacle and pageantry and all of this sort of, you know, midi- basically just medieval, like, like playing pretend mm. um, that uh, this sort of the, that like uh, if you're a 46 year old insurance manager, you know, you like to mm. go along and play pretend and you're sort of you're, you're getting to be involved. But the mm. fact that you're talking, I think there is a sense, and this is something that I think Britain does quite a bit, is use the fact that everyone else perceives it as this um, sort of quite rarefied and ancient place, mm. um, much to its advantage. And I think that's what mm. all of these sort of stupid ceremonies do for the city. I welcome the key. 
and I would encourage the Lord Mayor to go further by handing it back to me so I can put it under my hat. <laughs> I'm just also laughing at the fact that, you, you know, like you said, conservative politics have stymied reform, but also like people have just been hypnotized by a renaissance fair. And that's mm. just like, that's basically made it impossible. We're like, no, it's just too much pageantry. We love the pageantry. We want to, we want to dress up in chain mail. Like, it's just, we have mm. dumb shit in America. Don't get me wrong. Like we have people who like to put on tricorn hats when they're mad and when they're happy, but <laughs> it's not, it's not One for all quite seasons. folded into government yet. Mm. Uh, the stuff that we do, weirdly enough, the stuff that we do have is all like, relatively recent and just in a lot of ways sort of uncomfortably fascist adjacent mm. you know i'm thinking like putting in god we trust everywhere and you know the pledge of allegiance and stuff like that but that's all recent mm. that's all like the last hundred or so years uh this dating back to like actual you know norman invasion times is insane uh and it's just weird to me that i don't know it's proof once again that uh well, this is what happens when uh, you don't have an actual revolution in your country ever. Like, the yeah. stuff just sticks around. And, mm -hmm. you know, on a long enough timeline, I'm trying to think of what absurd thing we'd be doing now. Like, like basically, we'll be at the point, if, if this entropy continues in British politics, we'll be at the point, like, 200 years from now where Netflix is beaming fucking bright 15 into our heads directly with, like, a neural link, but you still have to pay for your TV license. Yeah, <laughs> awesome. Yeah. yeah, you have to pay for a TV license to have a brain. <laughs> yeah, the TV license authority will come around and check if you have a brain. I mean, I, I feel like, you know, there's a lot of accusations being thrown around that Britain is obsessed with uh, pageantry and weird oldie-worldie traditions. But as someone who attended Cambridge University, Where? I don't understand what you're talking wait, 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 about. What did you drive? <laughs> I've got a Renault Clio. <laughs> um, but the thing is, right, all of this is the other thing about this, right? It's also very secret because there's kind of an omerta. There's an omerta mm. around the city of London where everyone involved in his democratic politics knows that they're all on the same side. They know what they're all there to do. Nearly every decision is applauded by consensus. This is all, a lot of this is coming from Nicholas Jackson's amazing book, Treasure Islands. It's mm -hmm. about tax havens and their, their relationship with the city of London. Okay. Um, in fact, some of the people working on reforming the city who are sort of still caring about it and were sort of caring about it through the mm -hmm. Occupy days as well, where, you know, the occupiers uh, were sort of occupying uh, Paternoster Square, um, St. Paul's, various other places, mm -hmm. uh, were founder of Blue Labour Maurice Glasman and William Campbell Taylor, an Anglican minister. Mm. Um, and uh, this, is, this is how uh, Taylor talked to Nicholas Shaxon uh, about... Uh, London, the city of London, how to think of it. Uh, Taylor sees something more than human greed at work. Quote, we are in this grip of something quite demonic. Institutions keep it alive and it's part of all of us. I see it as a demonic spirit, as something like a griffin, a mythical creature which appears in many of the city's ceremonies. It is an intelligent demon, a dangerous thing, and I felt myself in danger at times. I pressed Taylor on this, says Shaxon, mm -hmm. uh, but be he became reticent and sat quietlier for a moment, absolutely wrapped in his own thoughts. Then he ventured, maybe some things are best not talked about. I do think that it is spiritually very dangerous. The corporation of the city of London is a very dangerous place. I don't want to say that so-and-so is evil. Perhaps the, not all who work there are bad people, but we're all part of it. And this is after mm -hmm. Taylor's experience becoming a, an elected alderman, specifically on another sort of anti-city position almost, mm -hmm. uh, for the Port Soken Ward. Um, and then uh, acting as the only dissenting voice 
in roomfuls of men in for ermine robes and so on, just uh, just ag- uh, loudly agreeing with one another, and then you know, bobbing off to go do mm. something else, making noises such as. <laughs> and I mean, I think that we talk until we talk about a demon as a fallen angel. This is the oldest demo- This is the mm. oldest direct democratic body uh, in Britain, mm. certainly uh, the oldest continuously functioning one. It served as a bulwark of um, sort of many ordinary people for a long time against mm. um, the. Uh, uh, you might say, uh, overweening sovereign authority. Mm-hmm. At the same time, it has been um, a sort of cap- a, a, a capricious commune, uh, deeply sort of selfish and cruel one, mm-hmm. uh, subjecting, sort of deciding to use a, a wave of immigrants fleeing enclosure to, um, uh, you know, brutalize the Irish. And um, mm-hmm. also, uh, you know, one of its Lord mayors putting down, personally putting down a peasant rebellion. Um, and it has basically... It, it has, I think, transformed into the opposite of what it what it might have started as. It has transformed from a, an urban commune into the kind of ideological and ceremonial nerve center for global capital. I mean, you could there's a, there's a bit of a financial history to this as well, where um, sort of as part of where sort of euro dollar clearing was a major thing that happened in London. Mm-hmm. A euro dollar is a dollar that is traded in European markets between. To between a buyer and a seller, so it's basically right. non-U.S. dollar-denominated trading. This right. was especially important for oil. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, 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 because it's all traded in it's all, dollars. All, yeah. all, all, oil is all traded in dollars, and you don't always want to have to repatriate those funds. Mm. So you don't want to. So if, you know, a lot of what ends up happening in the classic euro-dollar transaction is um, dollars are spent in London on to, in London accounts, but it's foreign currencies that are between foreign buyers and sellers. The vast majority of the transactions that took place are third country transactions, third par- th- transactions between third parties not related to Britain. It right. just happens in Britain. A bit like how everyone loves suing each other in Britain as well. Yeah, somewhat. Um, and you know, it was it was the finding of that role. It was sort of it was the fact that the city has throughout its long history come out to assert itself as the sort of nerve center of global capital. Um, and in, in, in a sense, whether that is lending money to kings to finance crusades and thereby taking on more liberties for itself, mm. or um, by uh, sort of becoming the sort of center of the world dollar market um, mm. it, it, again and again and again, it does that. And the only or, or organization that could really bring it to heel, or sort of that you know, that doesn't require the building of a new organization, mm. is the British state. And the British state will never do that. Because, uh, well, it's it's tried to several times and has always decided it didn't want to succeed, or was um, sort of turned in a different direction before it could. Yeah, or it was having too much fun with the the key under the hat. Yeah, it's having too much fun with the hat key thing. Yeah, a guy doing like a three card Monty thing, but with the key under the hat. Yeah, it's too much fun. You're like swapping around the different hats. You're like, ooh, which one? <laughs> ooh, which which hat's the key under? Yeah, that's right. But yeah, I mean, look, there's a billion different things to explore about the city mm-hmm. of London. I think it's something that's just not very well understood. Yeah, definitely. And, and and specifically that it's not just this medieval oddity sort of sitting there in London. Mm. It's a medieval oddity sitting there in London that is deeply involved in elements of, of modernity and that uses its medievalness to shield itself from having to be mm. accountable like a modern uh, political organization has to at least pretend to be. Ye olde tax evasion. <laughs> Effectively, yeah. Yeah. With like more ends than are necessary, ends, <laughs> um, ease, and so yeah. on. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know. What, what's I, I've, now that I've sort of told you, sort of you know, 
and endless sort of a litany of things about the city of London. Mm. What do you think? In a way, I'm not really surprised that there's there are this many abstracted layers to it. Uh, I find it very funny how much it seems to manage to reinvent itself as a mechanism for obstructing visibility throughout you know the entirety of financial history, if you will, mm-hmm. and, and that that continues today. I'm not surprised at all. I just, in a way, am kind of surprised that there have been moments where surely it would have been politically politically advantageous for the government to do away with this, and they mm-hmm. never have. And that, to me, kind of hints at the the weird British superstructure, if you will. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's because it's it's a it is it has been. I think you said earlier, right? It's the a state where a state that has been dragged into modernity at every stage, sort of by negotiated settlement, really. Where all of its sort of great civil wars haven't been, have been sort of between who gets to control the negotiation of that settlement. The sort of mm-hmm. the, thinking the English Civil War, the Wars of the Roses, um, and, and so on and so on. Where after the Glorious Revolution, you kind of just have like, all right, well, we're going, our, our fights are now elsewhere. Uh, and we are going to just, um, we, are go- we are going to move on by agreement. And so there are there are things that are just resistant to being changed by agreement, of which the city of London is sort of emblematic of one of them. It, it shows mm. how sort of deference in this country is the most powerful force there is. Absolutely, there's nothing we love more. Mm-hmm. I have a, I have a three point plan though. Uh, number one, uh, trash shoot your office in the gherkin. Yeah. Number two, I get elected Lord Mayor of London. Okay. Number three, worshipful company of podcasters. <laughs> Great. Yeah. Good. There we go. We're gonna we're gonna change it from the inside, folks. Sounds good to me. You know, yeah. I said it the other day when we were walking past there. I always thought the Gherkin was a really cool building. So you know what? I can't imagine an all glass studio really works all that well for acoustics. But I'm willing to fucking deal with it. <laughs> you know what we do? We could have a studio, a recording studio elsewhere, and then that be our office where we do like deals and calls and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Where we dress Join up us. and like. In like fucking, yeah, just like 80s huge shouldered suit coats and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Looking like the cover of Duran Duran singles. Yeah, perfect. All right, That'd good. That'd be awesome. Just, do, just doing Gordon Gecko shit. Uh, I, I, I'm personally excited to hear uh, what Milo's brother has to say about his experience yeah. actually working in the city. That's all right. And if you want to hear about that, um, you're going to have to subscribe to the $10 tier. The oh. secret tier. Oh, it's so secret. You do an even sexier voice for that one? Oh, I keep it under my hat. <laughs> I, keep, I keep this extra dick mm. under my hat. That's all right. This is the secret dick. Um, if I was the Lord Mayor of London, I'd make him keep a BMW key under his hat. That's my spare key. I don't want it to get lost. Yeah, it so instead of the sort of golden coach, of which I've sent a picture to the WhatsApp group. Yeah. Um, It'd be a golden BMW. No, it would just be a normal 2012 BMW. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's cool. Yeah, a, me- a medieval Lord Mayor would absolutely shit the bed if they experienced the luxury of a 2012 BMW convertible. <laughs> <laughs> Am I wrong? Am I wrong? <laughs> All right. Mm. Yeah. Um, actually, maybe I'll make him keep my exhaust under his hat. I was going to say, you should just yeah. have them create supply caches of replacement exhaust systems for your BMW. That <laughs> I want a big hat nailed to the bottom of the car so they can't get it in. Optimize the city of London mm. solely for your loot boxes to repair your car. 
Yeah, because the weird the weird thing about uh, organized criminals who steal catalytic converters is they respect the traditions of the city of London. So they like get they jack your car up and they're like, oh oh, there's a hat under here. We can't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're within we're within the boundaries. So uh, yeah. yeah, we can't do Quickly, that. Quickly, roll the car beyond the dragons, and then we can yeah. take the hat <laughs> without. We, and then no one will drive us across London Bridge. Mm. I don't think they do the sheep drive. You know about the sheep driving, right? I've vaguely heard about this. There are some people who have rights to drive sheep through the city anyway, right? Not just the city of London, but like the 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 actual city itself. Yeah, um, I I I it's uh it still does happen. Mm. <laughs> um, okay, where um what you do is they start with a bunch of sheep. <laughs> yeah, classic. <laughs> to be fair, that's how you do it. And they start near St Paul's Cathedral, and then they get a bunch of like. Celebrities who've been given the honorary, the honorary freedom of London. Oh hell yeah! I want to see Gino DeCampo and Harry Styles drive some sheep through the city of London. <laughs> I want to see Stacey Solomon with a fucking uh, a, a crook. <laughs> um, <laughs> Joey Essex. Yeah, that's with right. a whistle. I'm a celebrity. Get these sheep out of here. <laughs> that's right. Um, Me behind them in my BMW, <laughs> keeping those sheep moving. No, so it's usually, but so they give, so they give the, they give a lot of now like celebrities or other sort of you know business grandees uh, freedom of the city, and then if you have freedom of the city, you can, <laughs> you can drive sheep over London Bridge, no Tower Bridge, sorry, yeah, huh. drive sheep but over Tower, Tower Bridge. Bridge isn't in the city of London, is it? Um, or is it London? It is London Bridge. I think sorry, London I Bridge is Tower yeah. Bridge. Yeah, no, it, it, yeah, Tower. It, again, it's diff, it's difficult, and this sort of probably goes beyond what we're interested in here. But ta- the city owns London Bridge. Yeah. And so everything just on the other side of London Bridge is the city. Tower Bridge, you're right, not related to the city. Yeah, because the, the Tower of London was built by William the Conqueror immediately outside the city. Because yep. his, like, weird is like, well, this is going to be my fucking castle. I'm fucking looking at you. Mm, we built three, actually, castles. Mm. There were two others um, also, but ta- the, just as a flex. The Tower of London. <laughs> One, two, three circular castles. Oh, many of the castles were square. Oh, you, the Normans had actually built a lot of circular castles. So it's called in, this, in, this case, in this case, the Tower of Square. Oh, the Tower of London is square, yes, but I'm not sure the original Tower of London was square. Uh, the the, the uh, Tower uh, of uh, London uh, is stone. I suspect the original uh, Tower of London was wooden. This is investment advice. <laughs> oh, this is not investment advice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, do not buy a Tower of London. Uh, yeah. Mm. Yeah. So isn't that, isn't that fun? Uh, it's very fun. Yeah. Huh. City of London. Weird place. Uh, yeah. Drive sheep through it. Yeah, I'd love to drive sheep through it. Hey, Roddy, thanks so much for coming on. <laughs> You're welcome, Everything guys. you'd like to plug to the loyal hogs. Yeah, check out Trash Future. <laughs> yeah. You guys should check that out. Yeah. I think you should do, give that a go, you know? That's right. Yeah. Um, there's also this show called Bottleman. Mm-hmm. That's right. The Bottleman uh, with me and Dan Beckner talking about Canada. Mm. Yeah. Um, uh, produced by me and Nate. We mm. put the sex noises in. Wait, what? Every yeah, right. episode. Uh, oh, Canada. Uh. No. Mm. British Columbia, ah, Niagara Escarpment. That's right. Uh, yeah, that's, that's cool. Transcanada Highway, ah, uh, Edmonton Mall. I love the tr- I love the Niagara Escarpment. What a great, yeah. what a great hill. Prince Edward, what? Uh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Riley just looked very upset for a second there. <laughs> that's right. Well, um, this has been Britonology. If you want to hear all about the uh, what it was like working in the city of London in the 90s uh, with my brother, including some stuff about something called the Stratford Sauna, um, do do tune into that. Otherwise, we will see you next month. Yep. Have a good one. Bye. Bye, everyone.